Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Hey everyone, welcome back to Fill to Flourish. We're thrilled to have a guest today, someone that we're super excited to talk about this topic with. So we'll tell you a little bit about Megan. She is the owner of Mountain City Christian Counseling. She is a pastoral counseling, master's in pastoral counseling uh, with a focus on um, trauma, specializing in spiritual processing groups and individual therapy. She also does EMDR and DNMS and internal family systems. So she has a lot to bring to the table, um, all for healing, all for seeking goodness and restoration. And we're just so excited to talk about what it's like, how to heal in less than ideal environments. Because so many people that we work with and times for ourselves where we've just been in seasons that are not conducive to healing, that do not um, provide that nice cushiony environment where healing more naturally happens. And so we're gonna chat about that today. And we just think this will be really accessible, applicable to a lot of you. So welcome, Megan. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Luke and Lauren. I am just super honored to be here. It's our pleasure. As, as I was reading through your bio yesterday, I'm like, what does this woman not do? <laughs> like <laughs> all these trainings and like- He's the um, woman. Yeah, seriously. I love, I've, I've been digging into IFS the last year. I'm like, oh yeah, maybe we'll have another podcast about IFS because that's awesome. EMDR is amazing. So just- Wow, it's amazing to be able to talk to you, have this opportunity, and you are impressive. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I would almost say uh, jack of all trades and master of none. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I think you're probably master of people's hearts, and mm. you pursue these things because you want to be able to help whoever comes across your path that you're supposed to connect with. And it's amazing when someone has that much passion to pursue continually um, having more resources and tools, it just shows, wow, they really care. They, they really care about people. And Thank you. Yeah. I like that, Lauren. I, I really appreciate that because that to me is the highest compliment that mm-hmm. I want to help that I want to be attuned and attentive and I will go to the ends of the earth to figure out or or discover how to help one of my clients heal so I appreciate that I'm I'm grateful for my training and but I am much more grateful that I can discern what people hmm. need or, or feel that intuitiveness. And that's what I, that's what I love. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, so good. Definitely relate to that. That's a, that's a giftedness that you can't, you don't get in a training. Um, right. Yeah. We'd love to hear more of your story, whatever you're comfortable sharing with us um, as we jump in talking with you, who are you and, and why do you know about what it's like to try and heal in less than ideal environments? Absolutely. Well, and I think that's one of the things that makes MCCC unique um, is that all of the the clinicians and even our assistant, we've all been in abusive situations. We're not shy about sharing that. I know that a lot of clinicians don't want to get that personal. Um, At the same time, I, I think that when our clients know that we know what it's like, to, to be oppressed and to try to heal in less than conducive situations that, that they feel they can trust us and they can. Um, so I entered into an abusive marriage when I was 25. Uh, I was very vulnerable. I just lost my parents in a car accident and I met him six months later. It was 12 years of hell and I had four children within the first six years of that marriage. He was training to be a missionary, seminary graduate. You know, I thought he would be a good man, um, but it was abusive in every way, physically, emotionally, financially, mentally, spiritually. And uh, so I actually left Europe with my four littles in 2011. 
and started with nothing. I, I really did live in poverty with them for the first six months or so and just started life over. But during that time, I was experiencing a lot of harassment from like churchy people, my own family, his family. There was nothing really out there. There was no lone wolf. I had, I just felt like I was leaving a cult and I was. And so I, you know, interest, I skipped a big part of this. Interestingly, I had been given a full scholarship to do my master's in counseling, which I did while I was in that abusive marriage. So I managed to squeeze a two year degree into six years. <laughs> yeah. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> I had three babies by the time I finished, but, and I never really understood why in the world did I have this degree when I was in such a mess. Um, so when I left and started over about a year later, I decided that I wanted to help give to other people what I didn't have. And that was support, just somebody to believe me, finances. And so I, I started a nonprofit, founded a nonprofit you may have heard of. It's called Give Her Wings. Um, I wrote a 12-month curriculum for them, for people who want to help single mothers who've been abused. And then went to be a chaplain. So you saw that probably. I did my chaplaincy training. I was a chaplain during COVID. And then I answered suicide hotlines and then felt as though it was time to open my own practice. And so I chose the modalities of EMDR and DNMS um, because healing, healing and brain science and just watching people come alive after they have been beat down by oppression for so long has become my life's calling. I cannot imagine doing anything else. I love what I do. It's energizing. And now we have these groups that we're offering, the spiritual processing groups. That's for people who are deconstructing their faith, um, shifting paradigms, shifting faith, faith paradigms. I wrote the curriculum for that as well. And that's, we're just taking off and it's very exciting. Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing all of that. And oh my goodness. What an amazing heart, like Lauren is already saying, what you've overcome. And I just love the redemptive part of just that, the strengths that came out of that healing. And it just says so much about you, the desire to um, heal, come out of it, and then just continue to give back. And the, we just watched that Titanic with our kids this, this weekend. So I just keep that like, like, that the lifeboats that you just like, I survived, here's a lifeboat for you. And you're just continually giving those lifeboats. This is what saved me. This is what can save you. And I just love that remaking of that for people and that desire. It's very evident just hearing you talk, your desire and your passion just to love people well. Thank you. I, again, you, you guys are so sweet. That's the highest compliment. I want to love well. My understanding of the universe dictates that I love well. Mm -hmm. And um, what that means is more complex than just saying, I love you, right? right? Sometimes it's making choices or decisions that may not look loving to, you know, certain people groups, but we have to know in our hearts and souls that that we are really trying to make the best choices for the people around us and those that we love. So mm -hmm. thank you for saying that. Yeah. It means a lot to me. Yeah. And, it's, and just again, I hear, but this reminds me of the idea, what love is. Like so much love is controlling somebody to do what I want them to do. And what a, it takes so much self-work to love somebody the way that they are asking to be loved or the way that you, like you said, you've attuned to somebody to be loved. And it's that, that gift. You can't love somebody that way without knowing that's how you need to be loved kind of thing. <clears throat> Lauren and I have our own story and shared a little bit beforehand, but just that when you don't feel loved well and it hurts, you learn how to love well if you do the work mm -hmm. and that just speaks to you of the healing and the work that you've done in less than ideal situations. Like we were talking about today, like we're going to talk more about that, but it's just evident that it was less than ideal, 
would love to hear that that insight to that learning how to love people not through out of fear of what does their behaviors reflect on me but how can i love them well so that they can become the best that they can become and that just must be an amazing gift to the people you work with Thank you. I was wondering um, how you were going to finish that sentence, Luke. You can't love other people if, and I was, I was just kind of like, there's a little part of me that was like, what's he going to say? <laughs> but that was so spot on. And I don't know what you all think about this, but my understanding is that our lives here were intended to be abundant. And so we want to love people out of our abundance. And how do we feel that abundance? Well, I believe that you really do have to love yourself in order to have that kind of an abundance. Okay, I'm glad you guys are nodding. Yes. Some people are not about that, but um, that is a, a huge part of what we do with people who are in adverse situations or people who are just out of adverse situations or abusive situations. Um, we have been taught to be so um, that our awareness is on the outside. We, right. We've been taught to listen to certain authorities. We've been taught to be scanning the room to make sure that everybody's happy or to say the right thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to say the right thing. And what we do over at MCCC through the developmental needs meeting strategy, which you mentioned Lauren, is that we help people to turn back to their own souls. Um, our souls are in our bodies and we want to be attuned to what's happening here and out here and have that dual awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and when we're paying attention to our hearts and souls and we're giving ourselves and nurturing what we already have in there and just even recognizing and mobilizing the resources that we have inside of us. Yes. It, loving other people is so second nature, just mm. this water that splashes that's overflowing from us and onto them. But that has to come from here. It can't come from, you know, pastor so-and-so or so-and-so said this or that it has to come from inside here. And then it's, it's just so much easier. I, you that's something I've been learning recently, like growing up in the church I was told like, love your neighbor as yourself. And the focus was always love your neighbor right? because you're not worthy of anything. So you should love them kind of thing. But like yeah. what you're saying, we can't love our neighbor. And what I've been learning more recently is love your neighbor as yourself. That's the impression that you are already loving your neighbor I and mean, yourself. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's like the, so the given, it was a given, like you are loving yourself. So therefore you love your neighbor the same way. And so as I've learned like, oh, I have to love myself. That's how I can love my neighbor. And so that you just remind me of that truth. Like it is, it comes, we can't give what we don't have. Right. And it's exactly. an overflow of what is already there. And that's kind of goes back to my last comment of loving people, not out of fear or control. And if you can do that, it's because you're loving yourself. That's kind of reflection. <laughs> if you're controlling them, it's probably because you don't love yourself very well. Mm -hmm. But if you can love yourself well, then you can give that freedom for other people to make their own choices. Yep. And I'm so glad you used the word freedom. That's exactly what it feels like. Were you mm. going to say something? I'm sorry. No, just, just the heart behind the name of Filled to Flourish, our podcast name of like this image we've, we've had for several years now of, of being filled up with goodness and beauty and truth and that being an overflow into the lives of others that flourishing then is a gift for ourselves and it's a gift for others and without the filling I like what you said mobilizing what's already there without that we, we wither away and the flourishing doesn't happen and not only that we end up being harmful to to those around us and so loving self and cultivating that that self-compassion isn't just uh, like the sprinkles, a cherry on top. It's like the foundation. And it is so, uh, such a massive part about in healing, in recovering, but also just in being a healthy human because um, of everything we're saying that you have to give from an overflow. And um, yeah, I, I love I love how we started talking about love and self-love. Um, one of our questions for you is, 
what what are the specific challenges that you've seen personally and in your work when you're in these less than ideal environments? What are the specific challenges, patterns, or stuck areas that people can be in when they're trying to heal, but their environment's terrible for healing? Right. I mean, that's a really good question. And I've thought a lot about this, Lauren, knowing that this was the topic of your podcast tonight. It's so individualized with each client because everyone is a galaxy unto themselves. So it's on their and their their you know their solar system of their home is is unique. But I think that there are some overarching challenges that anybody who's been in an abusive environment can relate to. Um, so there's the you know, there's, there's a lot of walking on eggshells. There is a lot of um, trying to guess the mood or the temperature of the room. There, there's, there are a lot of different tactics that we can use, like what we call gray rock and biff. I don't know if you are, you're familiar with those. And yet, even then we have to be careful because some abusive people do not like it when we aren't reactive. And so um, it can be a dance. It can be a dance. Can you explain what Grey Rock, Rock and Biff are for our listeners? Right. So Grey Rock is, is kind of just like it sounds where you are expressionless. Yeah, you're Grey Rock, right? You're expressionless. You don't respond or react in a, in a big way. But sometimes that triggers an abuser and it makes it more difficult for people who are in that environment. So again, you know, we have to be very careful with the, the tactics. Now, um, I will say this. Oh, and then Biff, the brief, informative, friendly, and firm. It's a formula for answering high conflicts, high conflict personalities and situations or in emails, even text, just stick to the facts, leave the loaded words out of it. You know, no matter how triggered you feel, it's it's just kind of a way of um, of responding. And the idea is to reduce the volatility. I believe that it's okay to be tactical. Some people don't believe that. I think that I think there are a lot of uh, reasons why being tactical is truly wisdom. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Tracking for sure. Absolutely. You have, have, you have to have strategy. So another difficult part of uh, trying to heal in an abusive environment is that uh, it takes a long time. It takes a lot longer because you are not in a place where you can just do the work and then rest and try new things. And then the next week, do the work again and then rest and try to implement. You're in an environment where you may feel like you're living with the enemy. And maybe you feel you have to hide what you're, you know, what books you're reading or what, what podcasts you're listening to or who you're talking to. And so, and then, you know, you can get in trouble um, if you're, if you're expanding your mind too much or you're, or you're trying new tactics or, you know, it's just a land, it can be a landmine. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of leads into another question. Like um, a lot of the work we do is a lot about nervous system regulation and brain science. And so in order to do that, you have to have more safety cues than cues of threat. And so if you're in an environment, like you said, whether you're in that abusive relationship still, or even in your story where you're in poverty, caring for three kids, four, four kids, yeah, four kids, alone, going through school, like you can't just, and there's, and this, there's a lot of women's stories who are different, but similar. How do you, how do you do that? How do you balance that where you can't? just sit down it's like okay I need six months and I'm not I'm by myself I have financial support and I'm going to just do the work it's like I can do the work for 30 seconds here but then I'm triggered again for the next six hours and like so if you could just right speak to that you I really 
sense your compassion. I feel like you must have seen like video footage of what it was like for me. Um, so thank you for your understanding. That really means a lot to me. Um, I, it was hard. I mean, I have clawed for the healing that I've received. I have, I've scraped to be able to go to therapy when I didn't have the money for it. I wanted to take care of my children first. They got everything they needed before I did. Um, I did a lot of crying in the shower into my pillow, hoping the kids didn't hear. A lot of begging God to help, you know, just random cries to the Almighty to help me in my situation. So for me, it did, I noticed it took a lot longer as I was caring for the kids um, and just trying to move forward. There were also other extenuating circumstances that just, you know, I, I just was like that, you know, the, the turtle winning the race. Like I was just mm -hmm. determined mm -hmm. to do this. Um, my, my motivation was mostly my children. So yeah, I did. I worked really, really hard. It's why I did start the nonprofit that I started years ago, because I wanted other women to be able to maybe get therapy or to be able to have a break for one month financially or, you know, whatever it was, but it is a dance. So obviously, and I know you guys know this, I'm not going to do EMDR with a client who's in an abusive situation. That would be very dangerous for so many reasons. That's part of why I chose DNMS. It's a little bit of a, uh, it's less activating, it's more healing over time. And it focuses on an abuse victim being able to meet his or her own needs while in that abusive situation. And so, so I don't take all clients because if I don't think that I can help them where they are, then that wouldn't be ethical. Right. However, I'm, you know, as I said before, I'm pretty determined. So maybe I'll take like a client and we'll take a baby step here. And then we'll kind of see how that fits into the cogs of the family life for that person. And then um, that's a, one tiny little step of healing. That's one little bit of uh, trusting oneself. And then we've got, maybe we can take another baby step and, and there's a strengthening of resolve and uh, trust for that client. And so sometimes our clients are eventually able to really heal and kind of get out of that abusive situation. And that's always very exciting, but we do that very carefully. Yeah. Uh, I feel like one or a couple of your questions were surrounding the safety, right? Of, of uh, being in an, an abusive environment, you have to have a safety plan. That, yeah. that would be the first thing we would do is create a safety plan. Okay. Um, another, another way that we might help a client who is, who's still not in safety is to do sort of a triage, an emotional triage. What coping skills can I give you while you're in duress right now? Maybe your nervous system, you're talking about nervous system. Let's talk about how we can find glimmers to move you from that, um, you know, the, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn up to the ventral vagal state. We talk about rules of engagement, what that might look like for individual um, individuals and their relationships with abusive people or high conflict personalities. Again, back to that DNMS, helping someone establish a relationship between themselves and themselves. That's huge. Because when you're in an abusive environment, you can learn to meet your own needs. And that prevents us from trying to dip into that dry well with an abusive person. Like maybe they'll love me now. Maybe they'll love me now. But if we can learn to love ourselves and to meet our own needs, then that's a whole, that's a place of empowerment yes. for that person, right? And then the center locus of control, which I know you guys are familiar with, what can I control in my life? I can't control anything out here right now, but what can I control in here? And then finally, listening to your body, listening to our bodies, making that somatic connection and, and getting used to doing some mental translations, which 
is a nicer way of saying mental gymnastics. So if you're healing, and this happened today, and so um, she gave me permission to share, but I had uh, a client who said, I know that I'm supposed to put my husband first. I know I'm supposed to put my husband over my children. I know I'm supposed to. And I said, okay, so who said that? Did Jesus say that? Like, where is this coming from? And she stopped and she said, um, oh, he said that. And I said, okay, so where do you think he got that? And she was like, you know, I don't even know. So we have to do these mental translations. Um, okay, this is what he's saying. Why is he saying this? So that he can totally be the center of your world, right? That's why he's saying it. And then you don't, you're not taking care of your kids as well. You're not worried about their safety. So, um, so we have to learn to translate a lot of the things that are thrown at us when we're in those situations. Wow. No, that was a lot and a lot of good stuff. Lauren, I have tons of thoughts, but I want to give you a, a, a chance to share. What do you think? <laughs> um, I just think that what you offered in those five minutes was clearly from a, a deep well of lots of experience and a lot of um, nuance there, which is one of the reasons we reached out to you was this is not a simple conversation. This is not in the black and white realms that we prefer that humans like, there's so much gray and there's so much mindful caution that someone who does this work recognizes and empowers people in. And I just, I so appreciate that, A, you have really insightful and well, well-worn, well-used ideas and concepts for people who are still in these abusive situations because we tend to work more with people once they're out. And I find that um, knowing how to support someone with a safety plan and learning how to attune and find those glimmers of safety, even in the presence of such threat, I just find that to be a miraculous work. And I'm amazed that you, that you, know how to do that for someone because of there are extenuating circumstances where someone's not able to leave or they're not ready yet. And all of the things that go into that, so many variables. So I think each one of those things could be a separate podcast of those right. different ways of going about doing this. So I love that you just threw out those resources. Um, yeah. What, what did you want to jump in with Luke? I just uh, loved just the sharing of the different cues of safety that have they do have access to also the ways that you <clears throat> teach people how to but I was just thinking like what are the glimmers and then you said that like there's just then just give the, there's the glimmers and because it's not going to be where you just feel like oh man I just took a huge leap and I just feel so much better it's me like we want to give hope but we want to be realistic that it's going to be those baby steps that if you can take a baby step of and have a cure safety, like receive that, celebrate that and keep using it. Like if something's working, just keep using it. So I, I loved the way you said that. And then there's that self-love, the importance and how hard that is when you're in an abusive relationship, you've been taught to hate yourself, that you aren't worthy, that you have no needs. Like you said, I'm important. You, you, you aren't serve me is what the abuser says. And so to have that glimmer of like, even in accepting like, no, I do matter. Like you may not realize yet the lie of what you've been told, but if you can, if somebody can just sh shift and say, this is one way I can love myself. I can get counseling or I can go for a walk or I can take a break or I can eat this piece of chocolate. Like all of those things of learning how, what does that, what do you desire? What do you want? What do you need? And just meeting those little things. And then the, the I can't remember the words you use, but the something like central control, central. Center locus of control. Yes, yeah. that's, that's the one. And just 
the importance, like we talk about, we use the language of state of acceptance, accept what you have power over and what you don't have power over, what you can control and what you can't control. And that, that the importance that that's a glimmer, that's a cure of safety of, I can't control maybe the finances, but I can control, I'm going to take a walk. I can control that I'm going to rest right now. I can control, I'm going to counseling. It might have to be secretive. It might have to be, but I can, I can do that. So just all those are those small cues of safety in the midst of those very difficult times and where there's a lot of cues of threat. I just love how you, you just gave those baby steps. And I just want to reiterate them because it's really important that we don't focus necessarily on cue of safety is getting out of that situation now. Yes, that, that would be great but not everybody's there and there isn't a safety plan. So how can you still just giving that hope and that empowerment of you can still have cues of safety as you're preparing for that. I just love that, the way you, you shared those um, so succinctly and beautifully. Thank you both so much. And I, you know, to anybody who's listening, if you are in an abusive situation, you do have choices. You have options. You can call the police. You can uh, you can create a safety plan. You can get a PO box. You can get um, copies of all your important documents and put them somewhere. There are ways that you can be empowered as you work toward um, what your end goal may be. As far as you know, getting out if you can get out eventually. But you, you can't get out if you don't have that strong inner core self, right? Mm. Our soul, our strong, we have to develop that. And if, again, if you're listening, you have everything you need inside of you. You do have power inside of you. There are things that you can control that, that he or she doesn't need to have any, any sort of uh, involvement in. They are not privy to those things. This is between you and you, or you and your God. This is this is all you. You're mm. human, yeah. and you're powerful. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Just want mm. Yes. Say it. <laughs> um, we're focusing a lot on DV, which is important. But I just want to say that these same things are important for anybody who's going through a difficult time or some kind of traumatic time, whether it's, whether it is DV or, or, or it's spiritual abuse or it's uh, financial struggle struggles or it's parenting struggles, or it's just working through your own story. The importance is pacing yourself, that self-love and finding those glimmers and empowering yourself step-by-step step, um, along that journey. I love how you talked about celebrating each one of those little steps. I think that's very important. Um, my colleague Rochelle has this little talk that she does. We did a, a fawn conference <laughs> for people who are are recovering from being a fawn, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is essentially people pleasing. And yeah. she she talked about um, collecting the bright shiny glimmers in the tunnel of. Uh, using a, a surfer's analogy. So we like to use John Kabat-Zinn's work of uh, keeping one foot on the board. So um, I've never surfed personally, but um, my understanding is that you don't want to jump into the water and just feel like you're drowning, right? It, that's how it can feel sometimes to us is I'm just drowning, and I, but you're not, and you don't have to got one foot on the board, one foot out here, right? We also like to call it the Black Widow pose because it's kind of the same. But, you know, we've got one foot on the board and you're looking forward and you're going to ride the waves and you're going to ride the storms. And then you're going to surf and you're going to go into the, the tunnel, which they say is just an ultimate surfer's high. And in the tunnel, you see all of the glimpses of light. And these are our glimmers. So we're going through the really dark tunnel but we're picking up on on glimmers and they're almost like little islands that you can connect okay I did this one little thing I went got counseling I did this other little thing over here I made a phone call that you know 
is empowering. I'm gathering information. So, and collecting data. And these are, these are all little glimmers of light that continue to empower as you celebrate them, like you said, and you hold on to them, you're going to make it through that tunnel. Mm -hmm. You're going to make it and you're going to come out the other side with all your glimmers in your hand. Mm -hmm. I love, I love that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I feel like pictures really help um, communicate beyond words. And sometimes when you're really in the depths, you're having a really bad day. And if, if a picture can just keep you um, waking up the next day, like beyond words, beyond reading something or listen, just picturing, okay, I'm in this tunnel. It is dark. It is terrifying. I feel awful. I feel like there's no way out. And yet these little, little tiny rays of light are coming through and they remind me of the light at the end of the tunnel and that there is there is hope on the other side of this. I think one of the, the other reasons we wanted to do this episode was like, there are so many situations in the world that you just, beyond DB, I feel like DB is um, like a pinnacle of the most devastating type of, of stuckness in oppression because it's literally your home. Um, but even outside of that, um, I mean, inside of that, with with family members with mental illness, with children who really struggle, um, we deal a lot with adoptive communities as there's a lot of mental illness involved with children who have been so traumatized. And then outside of the home, um, living in, in poverty-stricken neighborhoods that you can't just get out of, living um, as, a, as a person of color in America and, and the certain... Uh, types of oppression that are are there regardless you, it's you, systemic that you don't have power to change right uh, living in a country where women are i mean america has for sure it's significant issues there but i'm thinking of even more oppressive countries where women literally don't have a voice don't have a vote don't have um i always take what we're learning and say how does this apply to a bigger bigger lens like a bigger the global person, the global community of people. And I think that's where this conversation comes in so big, like is healing just available for the people that are privileged and the people that have access to, to be able to, like you said, that ideal, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work this out and process this, then I'm going to rest and then I'm going to go get a massage and then I'm going to have tea. And then like, these are amazing things and they're so supportive for healing, but so many situations are not like that. And um, I just love that we are making space for that in this conversation because life is really messy and painful for so many people and people groups. And yeah. I sure hope that healing is still available for them too. Yeah, you remind me, I was listening, sorry, uh, I was listening to a talk by Gabor Mate. He was talking to somebody, I can't remember what country they were talking about. And they were saying it was a war torn country and they said we don't have ptsd here because the trauma is never post like they are just stuck in it they're just always there in it so they don't have ptsd because they are just always living trauma and so is it yeah is there hope for people who are just i think so i mean so a couple things to say to both of you which i love that you're bringing in just expanded my my uh, little world here in my house where I do my work too. <laughs> and it just exploded. But um, we are, you know, everyone can do their part in their corner of the world, right? So one of the things that we're doing over at Mountain City Christian Counseling is we are offering our spiritual process groups for people who are deconstructing oppressive uh, cult-like I, I want to say faith, but I don't know, yeah. um, faith shifting. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we're opening this that we have it open right now. We're leaving open registration until July 21st. These are small intimate groups of uh, two or three who work with a clinician. And the money from those groups will go toward, uh, will go run through a nonprofit in order to help um, 
in my corner, it's single mothers who've left abuse. This is my calling. I, mm -hmm. I recognize and I know that abuse is systemic. I know men suffer abuse. I know there are a, a, a complete abusive systems in totality. So, um, but in my corner of the world, I'm connected to the single mothers who've left abuse and don't have resources for therapy. And so this money for these uh, groups, if we can get 10 groups, we're trying to get 10 groups, then um, that will go toward single women wow. who are in poverty and can't afford therapy. And and the, the nasty cycle is I can't get a job because I, I feel really broken or I have CPTSD. And so I can't get a job because I'm really broke, you know, and mm -hmm. so we want to break that up and say, okay, you're healing a little bit. You're connecting to yourself. Oh my goodness. Look at your confidence. Let's write a resume, you know, and then, and then that, that cycle is broken. Um, and so that's what I'm doing in my corner of the world, as far as healing for people, like what you mentioned, their nervous systems are in fight or flight 24 yeah. seven. They don't know what a glimmer feels like. Maybe they don't even have a baseline, right. Yeah. For, for, for what it feels like to just be interconnected with other humans and socially engaged they don't even know what that looks like or feels like um and so you know you raise a good question i these podcasts like what you're doing right now is wonderful it's beautiful people can listen and they can they can have hope oh my goodness my i can move my i can reshape my nervous system by finding what are my glimmers, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it nature? Um, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's, oh, I get to have a bubble bath tonight. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, we're not looking for you to, to solve the, the problems of the world. <laughs> I feel like you're putting me on the spot. I'm just I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, Megan, tell us. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I need to heal the whole world yeah. now. <laughs> Yes, it is. it's overwhelming and it's a it's a big problem. But yeah, you're right. The glimmers, our nervous systems are all wired the same. And I, I love that you're saying like finding what you love. I, I used to. So I I'm kind of an analytical thinker and kind of brought up in like a very pragmatic tradition, like whatever works and is efficient, just do it like not to embrace the, the fullness of our humanity and seek beauty and fun and adventure and, and joy. And, and this happens when you develop CPTSD or PTSD, you, those things are peripheral. They're not central to survival. So they go away. And I have such a deeper appreciation now for my own healing and watching how other people come back to life of just seeing the things like even in communities that used to feel like frou-frou and unimportant to me, like community art centers and theater and people um, built, making a garden and playing pickup with, with some friends, all of these things that they're not frou-frou, they're, they're, they're so central to our becoming more connected, like you say, accessing that safe and social state can come through what humans do for fun. And so I think that's a really great way that especially more marginalized communities or when you can't change your situation, like say you have a boss that's really terrible, but you have to have this job or, you know, there's a million scenarios we could lay out like that. Finding those, those deep breaths in the joy and fun of what you like to do again, slowly, because it's hard, you'll meet resistance. Your nervous system's like, no, we are surviving. We're not having fun. Please stop. We're not doing this. But if you can work with that resistance and find some things that really bring you joy, and that is, um, that's fighting back. That's reclaiming your humanity. And that is healing. Healing is not just sitting in therapy. Healing is not just reading a book on the nervous system. Yeah. Healing is, is becoming uh, the full, fuller expression of human that you are. And I love that you're encouraging, like find those things that feel like glimmers to you. Even if you don't even have a framework for glimmer, keep trying and yeah. you'll start to feel yourself come back to life little by little. Yeah. And these are invitations of, for people. 
we can't speak to poverty-stricken neighborhoods. We obviously are not minorities. So, but these are invitations of self-love and fun. What that looks for different for people in different countries, different cities, different places is going to be unique to them. And so we don't want to, uh, we're not coming in and saying, all right, here's a simplistic fix. Just listen, have some fun and all your problems in the world will go away. <laughs> we are inviting that these are ways to find some glimmers. This doesn't, this doesn't solve systemic issues. This is just glimmers for you as an individual in those difficult situations that you can't change. That's where you, there's power. You have power there. There is power there. And what you both said, both of you are so profound in the way that you speak. Um, we are privileged, right? I know I'm privileged. I also know that anybody can sit down and journal. I know that if you're in poverty, and I know this from my own experience, you can write poetry. Mm. I know that you can learn to feel your body again. Mm. I know that you can um, you can learn to sing again. Like there, there are things that you don't need a lot of money for right. that can, like you said, Lauren, connect us to our humanity. And a big part of connecting to our humanity is connecting with other humans in a real genuine and honest way, but also connecting to our bodies. So how would one of you like to do a little like guinea pig exercise with me on a way that you can move through some of your emotions and be empowered? I love this. Who's going to yes. do this? I, I mean, I'm open to some free work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go for it. All right. All right. So Luke, um, what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask you to kind of trust me and invite you to close your eyes. And then I want you to put your hands on your cheeks. And just kind of put your hands on your cheeks like you would cradle the face of one of your children. Just real sweet, real gentle. And you can do this too, Lauren, if you want to. Um, and just kind of like, don't, don't press hard. Be real sweet with your face because you have dignity and you deserve honor. So as you just kind of hold your face, I'm gonna ask you to press in with each one of your fingers just a tiny bit, just to make sure you're real, real connected. And just take some deep breaths. And as you're doing that, I'm gonna ask you to anchor yourself in a memory of when you felt a glimmer. There were no aversions, no, you know, no needs, no wants. It was just, this is a perfect moment. This is a beautiful moment. I feel like I'm dancing with the Holy Spirit. Maybe in a, a meditation or in a yoga class or in nature or in prayer or worship or something meaningful to you. I want you to try to recapture all the feelings and the thoughts that came with those moments. Take a minute just to feel that. And I'm just gonna ask you, Luke, where in your body, do a body scan head to toe, where do you feel this? As you're anchoring yourself to this glimmer, where do you feel this? Um, I feel, I feel some resistance, but I do feel glimmers just kind of like pulsating through my legs and arms, kind of also some warmness. And just as I verbalize this, I just feel a little bit more openness in my chest. Nice. Okay. That's really self-aware. What about you, Lauren? Where do you feel this in your body, head to toe? I feel it in my face. I feel, um, 
I'm not sure I've ever like thought to touch my face with tenderness and just really gently. And so it feels different and it feels comforting and yeah, maybe warm would be the right word. Yeah. Beautiful. Self-compassion and you're feeling warmth. Um, Luke, you feel the warmness? The warmth I do, also? yeah. So let me ask you this, Luke, um, your arms and your legs and your chest, let's say that your body is trying to send a message to you um, through these feelings. What would it say to you right now? It could be a word, it could be a phrase, it could be a lot of words. I think it's... It's just that it's okay. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. That's beautiful. So you are bringing comfort now to yourself. You're experiencing this moment and you're allowing your nervous system to be in that ventral vagal place, which is, by the way, as you know, up there in your chest and your voice and your face. So Lauren... What is your body trying to communicate to you? If it were trying to say something to you, what would it be saying to you right now? You don't need to fight. You can, you can rest. Beautiful. And using an emotion word, how would you describe that feeling? Safety. Safety. <clears throat> So what you both have done now is you've connected to your bodies, to your spirits. You've shown yourself compassion and tenderness and love. You're holding space for yourself. Keep breathing deeply. And I want you to memorize this feeling. This is a glimmer that we're creating. This is a baseline. You can do this any time of the day or night to befriend your nervous system and listen to your body. And you don't have to pay anybody to do it. You can just do it. Okay. How did that feel? You guys can open your eyes now. Mm. What came up for you, Luke? Well, um, just authenticity is really important to me. And I don't really just want free help. I, I need help. <laughs> yeah, um, I understand. <laughs> You're, yeah. <fine>. um, <laughs> You're okay. It's okay. I'm just teasing. Yeah. Um, no, it's just like, uh, it's, it's been a hard, uh, like my own stuff's coming up in the last couple of months and being invited to grieve and get back into counseling and uh, new realizations of, of stuff that I'm work I'm I'm working through. And so yeah, I just I just knew I needed I just wanted a, another tool and another experience. Um, so I appreciate your your invitation. And what was just coming up, um, again, like I saw I felt that resistance. Yeah. Because like this this season is is dynamic. Um, so I felt that tightness in my chest. Um, but as I was able to speak the language and give those, speak that voice of that feeling, I just felt my nervous system shifting and just, and saying like, kind of that shifting into that ventral of like, we're not, yes, we are like, and so just that care that it's okay uh, being in process, uh, just and I just, I feel emotion even coming up of just like giving that compassion, noticing that, that, that self-love of you're okay being in process. You're okay not being okay. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, that's what's coming up. Wow, thank you. That, that was... Beautiful to behold. Thank you for your authenticity and your realness and for being willing to share that. 
-hmm. it's powerful powerful you're on a journey yeah. you know that and it's okay what about you lauren how did you feel as you did that well if i can just um say quickly um i love that you did a practice of this because we love nervous system support practices they're a big part of our program and how we work with people and you know, we are doing them with other people. So it was so special to just have that be done with us and to enjoy right. the- To that. be on the recept receiving end. Yeah, yeah, just, it was such a gift. And I love that you, we hadn't planned on doing that. And I love that you did that in this podcast because it's great to hear. I feel like hearing them and watching, watching that process can be really neat for other people. It makes it way more accessible than just reading about it or yeah. something. Um, but I also, I love that you said in the beginning that you um, share your story and that the lines, um, Luke and I, you know, it's that mix between like, you want to be professional in the healing field, but you also want to be authentic. And we um, struggle to know with our own practice now, how much of our own humanity do we share? Because it's just, it's tricky. And so I love that you offered that and modeled that in the beginning and and it makes it more accessible for us now to be able to be human because every single counselor every single coach every single person that you work with to help you also has people that help them or or ideally should have people that help them because they're just as human and yes. sometimes in this field we don't always feel the permission to struggle wow. you know oh, right yeah and and you know this Lauren there there are so many, there's new research coming out that says that it's better for counselors to be more transparent than, I mean, not taking their time out of a session to yeah. talk about our But just, you know, I'm okay with saying, I feel like what makes us unique is we're not just trauma informed, we're trauma experienced, you know, and that's how you guys are too. And so it is, it's a fine line. And there, you have to sort of be a boundary expert, but, but you can, you can do that. And I'm glad I could give you that opportunity because you are the givers, you're the givers. So yeah, just letting you guys do a little something for you, you know, and I, I'd like to go back if it's okay, Luke, you were talking about the self-compassion and just feeling a shift. And when you said that, I thought, oh, I have to share this one thing with them. Um, <laughs> There is hard science behind this, and I'm sure you guys already know it, but I'm just going to share with your audience that self-compassion is another way to reshape your nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. um, so again, you guys can stop me if you already know this. No, 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 no. Share. <laughs> this is awesome. I'll just reinforce, whatever. Um, so our amygdala, right, our limbic system, that's our where we hold our trauma. And then this is our prefrontal cortex. And this is where, oh, yeah, I know I'm safe. I know I'm safe. But back here in our limbic system, you know, the, the, the top two vertebrae are shifting when we are triggered. And all the blood rushes into that amygdala, right? And we've cut off blood flow to the rest of our brain. So when we have a trauma response, we really actually can't help it. Like people are like, no, you need to, no, we actually cannot help it. We're having a trauma response. There's the blood is cut off from any sort of reasoning. And here we are being triggered and having one of these trauma responses. So they've just recently discovered that acts of self-compassion in those moments will shift those two vertebrae back just enough, C1 and C2, to release the blood flow to the rest of our brain. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I we I didn't know that. No, that we have not heard of that study. That's incredible. Right. So I am all over it. If you were one, if one of my clients is listening, they're just like, oh, here she goes with self-compassion again. But as I've experienced this in my own life. When right. I'm when I'm listening to my inner critic and I'm all of a sudden I'm really down on myself and I just go, oh, you know what? <sighs> of course I feel this way. Yep. Yeah. I've worked so hard. I've tried so hard. This is, this is disappointing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah. I'm going to, I feel the reason coming in. I feel yeah. the, the, the emotion mind and the, the rational mind joining together for that sweet spot of wisdom when I can show compassion on myself. It's huge. Yeah. 
one of the pillars for flourish is compassion. And so we talk about it all the time, but so if our, if our clients are listening also, it's like, Oh, there they go with compassion again. They're saying the same Luke thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't know about the C1 and C2. That's really fascinating. Uh, that's amazing. I love. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Um, I don't know. Some of this research may be from, or associated with Kristen Neff. She's uh all about compassion. Her site is called compassion.com or something. She's a PhD researcher in self-compassion. And so we've learned a lot about it from her, but um, there's this little line that, you know, the practices that are really short and accessible are the ones you can use when you're triggered. The longer practices are better to cultivate when you're not triggered. Because again, your prefrontal cortex is not working so well when you're triggered. But she just has this one little statement that um, we include in our self-compassion module, but it, she, she goes, um, this is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. I add, it will pass. And may I be kind to myself. And it's like, I've been saying this little sentence to myself, this is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life and not in a dismissive way, in a collected, connected way. Like I am not alone in my suffering where we all suffer as humans and may I be kind to myself. It's amazing how quickly that can shift from that sympathetic state to ventral, to feeling safe and social and reconnected with myself even. And I love that you brought that up, that it's that, again, I used to think that was like a frou-frou thing. No, that's a research driven, your body responds to compassion and you can give it to yourself even if not a single person around you is compassionate towards you. Exactly, yes, 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 yes. Um, I. I'm just over here cheering on the inside here. So she was a huge influence and, okay. and I do recommend her exercises. Yeah. Um, we have short little phrases that we hand out at MCCC just, and people write them down, put them on sticky on your, but just like you, I used to think that was just so like, okay, that's just ridiculous pink clouds in the sky. Right. That's why I say there's hard science behind this because there really is. We, yeah. you know, what you just said, which is so perfect, and I love what you added, there's your human interconnectedness piece, right? So I, like other humans, suffer because that's part of life and it's going to pass. It will get better. I'm not the only one in the world. Other people go through this, right? And that's huge. It's so important. Thank you for bringing that in. Mm. Um, there's a, when we did our phone conference and we showed, uh, there's a doctor who did, um, like gold etching of our brain when it's illuminated. So mm. he would take brain scans, but he was also an artist and he shows the illuminated brain. So once you, sh you've, you've shown that self-compassion, it's just like your brain just lights up and it's firing on all cylinders the way that it's supposed to. Mm. It's so beautiful. It's really, wow. really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Absolutely amazing. So self-compassion is a big way of cue of safety and uh, hard situations to heal. Self-compassion is a huge tool. I think that's a really good place to end. Right. It's kind of thinking. really all encompassing. Well, yeah. and I'm just going to add to what you're saying, Luke, um, and then to sort of maybe bring it full circle, uh, Lauren, is that that's something you can always do no matter what your situation. Right. You can do this. You can go into the bathroom or into the closet, put your heart, mm -hmm. your hand on your heart, skin to skin, nurturing yourself and saying, I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. I'm only human. I'm not omniscient. I'm trying. I didn't have all the tools. You know, all of these things that we can say to ourselves. You can do that anywhere in whatever situation you're in. And that is that little rebellious part in you that is your spark in your core spiritual self that's going to get you through this. And it's going to become stronger and stronger. And it's going to be, it's going to feel so good. It's going to feel mm. so good. That's the truth <laughs> to, to end with. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Megan, for joining us. It was such a pleasure. I can't Real believe quick. how quick we... time went. Where can we find you? We'll also put it in the podcast description, but if you want to just share how people can find you most easily. Right. So we're mountaincitychristiancounseling.com. 
Um, you can sign up for our spiritual processing groups until the 21st, doing a little drawing. You can get a little mug with this little tiny matching spoon because I'm extra. <laughs> um, you can sign up for just a one-time coaching call with Rochelle. You can sign up for one-on-one. -on -one. Um, therapy there. We have a great community. No one's going to judge you. Mm -hmm. uh, we love it. Our clients are our heroes yeah. for so many reasons. They are, they are our heroes. We also are on Facebook, um, Mountain City Christian Counseling Corp. Um, and then you can reach out to my lovely assistant, Julie, julie at mountaincitychristiancounseling.com. I just really want to thank you both. This has filled up my soul kind of came in tired after a long day and I am so energized exchanging all of this with the two of you and just encouraged by what you're doing so thank you please don't stop it's beautiful it's amazing it's good work thank you so much we receive that Megan and I totally agree being in your presence and your energy is so contagious so yes thank you for blessing us in that way great to chat with you. Maybe we'll do it again, but we'll definitely stay in touch. So thank you yeah. again. I hope so. Thank and you. Yes. Yes. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and um, as always find us on social media and let us know your thoughts. Let us know your questions and we'll see you next episode. And if you want to start uh, watching these episodes, you can find us on, on YouTube on Flourish Therapy because That's we are now right. doing a video recordings of them. And I think this would be a good one to check out. Yeah, because we're not in our pajamas anymore. We have to actually like be in clothes, <laughs> presentable because it's a video. So yeah, that'd be great. All right. And I thank you for listening and come back next time. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, Please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.